The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Today's topic, less is more. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Maybe less is more. Transparency in beauty. This is my interview with the inimitable Meg Pride. Meg Pride is the founder and CEO of Brandify, a Richmond, Virginia-based company dedicated to making skincare accessible through their mobile app. With experience in both the consumer packaging goods industry and the technology sector, Meg recognized the opportunity that technology had to create more transparency for its consumers, and we will be talking about that. As a result, she launched the Brandify app in 2018. Congratulations on this being what milestone for you. Many years, right? Thank you. Yeah. Fourth birthday coming up. Fourth birthday. It's a big one. She joins me via StreamYard today to discuss entrepreneurship, innovating, and the whole women in tech sphere. Welcome, Meg. Congratulations on all of your success. And welcome and thank you for being a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. I am so happy to be here, Dr. Shirley. Thanks so much for having me. And I can't (laughs) wait to talk about all those good stuff, uh, good things you mentioned, like women in tech. Yes, let's get in it. So, Ms. Meg, what inspired you to create a skincare tech company, if I may call it that? Yes, absolutely. It's been a, a winding journey. I, As you mentioned, I started in consumer packaged goods, and we would make things like infant formula, all kinds of different products, and put the exact same product and powder into two different containers and sell one for $40 and one for 10 Wow. And I was horrified by that. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. As a consumer, you know, I was also very naive. This is 10 years ago. I couldn't believe that that was happening, and I was really, really frustrated and eventually realized that there was a way to use technology and community to help consumers understand you know, when it's worth paying up for something or when you can get an alternative. And our platform just took off in the beauty space, and that's how we ended where we are. I like it. Today. Yeah. I've been a sucker for many years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, even the further you get into it, the more you realize, like, wow, um, there are some real inefficiencies in this market. No kidding. Now, why do you think transparency is so important in the beauty industry? I think it's because um, there's just so little of it. So I think that a lot of industries are much further ahead than the beauty industry is. Mm -hmm. And that's why consumers really crave it. And honestly, this is a pretty, pretty passionate take, but I think it's because, 
you know, there are big beauty companies that from the very beginning have had heavy interests in protecting mm. kind of their margins and space. And right. Yeah. And their so, intellectual property. Yes. That drives <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> intellectual property. Yes, exactly. I also, You're the doctor, so. <laughs> I also think that, you know, some people like the story of a brand, right? They, they like to be mystified or romanticized with this ingredient that came from this very special, unique tree, you know, in Madagascar. And we've honed that now to it's, it's to have its special properties to completely get rid of wrinkles. So do you think there's still a place for the story of, or the ingredients, you know, behind the beauty brand? Absolutely. I think there's a place for, you know, sustainability, especially a sustainability story, because I think we're all beauty is also very behind in that regards. Yeah. There's also, I think you're kind of tapping into the excitement around like the romantic aspect. of Yeah. It. Yes. And sometimes it just feels better to put on the Chanel lipstick. And that just does. It just does. There's only one okay. Valentino red. I mean, really. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, that is okay. And that's important. But it, as a consumer, we're so much more educated than we were when our mothers and grandmothers were buying beauty products. Like, we know what niacinamide is. Yes. And um, so it's just important to me that consumers are educated enough to make a choice between I'm buying the Valentino red because I want to feel what it feels like to put that on versus I have to buy the drunk elephant right. vitamin C because it's the only thing that works. And that's right. just not the case. I agree with you 100%. I think that indeed we are more educated as consumers. And not only that, that education gives us the empowerment of having options and I think every woman, every woman needs options. We do. Almost too many options sometimes. <laughs> Almost too many options sometimes. But you're right. I mean, no, we now know or to demand and to insist that there be no lead in lipstick. So, yes, we are better educated and I think better for it. And I think that creates not only better consumers, but better beauty. I completely agree with that. It's so just like the little things in the industry that have persisted for so many years. Like, yeah. um, you know, it's one thing to not have lead in the lipstick, but I wonder <laughs> how many consumers, thank goodness, um, it's how many consumers know that there's like a weighted magnet put in the high-end lipstick cases yeah. to make it feel heavier. It's just yeah. little things that, you know, I, I get really excited about educating consumers on. So are you going to write a book about these trade secrets or is that part of the class that you are currently teaching in Virginia? It is not. I'm just teaching a venture velocity class. Um, not just fun. just, that's major. <laughs> it's fun. It's so much fun. I'm excited. I'm, I'm guest lecturing tonight and we're talking about KPIs and more of the tech side of things. Oh, wonderful. Um, but I don't know. I think you should write the book. <laughs> you already have a book. I, need to I have a very take on my beach upcoming beach vacation. I, I will let you know. My the books that I have are very nerdy and very clinical based. So Perfect. I haven't quite written the consumer book yet, but soon come, soon come. Awesome. Yes, I'll be reading all your clinical trials. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like a great beach read. But. No, it doesn't sound. You never know. But um, you, there are a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to touch upon. But firstly, you are a businesswoman. You're a successful businesswoman. 
I've been reading a lot of articles, you know, the pros and cons of, of business school and, and how to best get a, a business education. You went to business school. Um, and speaking of the ROIs of business school, was business school worth it for you, an important investment, part of your success? What do you say? Yeah. So for me, it was absolutely. And I, I don't think that is necessarily the case for everyone. Um, but it gave me time and space to focus on creating a venture and a network that I didn't previously have. Ah, yes. Um, so I came from, like, my great-grandmother started a dress shop. I come from a long line of feisty entrepreneurial women. But Excellent. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm sure you do as well. Um, <laughs> yes. With all your ventures. And I really, but I really wanted to take it from being a small business to being a disruptive and exciting and powerful business. And that, I think, is what business school really allowed me to see myself in and grow my own confidence as well as, like, build the connections with people yeah. who we later get capital from. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I do think that is an important aspect of business school. I mean, I haven't been to business school, but I, from what I hear, I understand that, you know, the social aspects, the networking, the connections that you make um, – and then the fact that when you are ready to create a venture, if you so choose to do so, um, you have people who had either mentored you or you can rely on mentoring or assistance or whatever the case may be. So I, I do agree that business school does provide that opportunity. I called your company earlier a skincare tech company. Would you consider that your company is, if you had to choose a side, focused more on beauty or tech? Wow, that is such a good question. I, I know. That's a um, <laughs> So I think the tech is our core and the skincare is the skincare is the benefit of that technology because from our community we have gotten requests for specific affordable products mm -hmm. that aren't on the market. So someone might say, I'm looking for a affordable alternative to, I'm really picking on drunk elephant <laughs> um, vitamin C, but they might say they want an alternative to that. And um, they basically have helped us create our line based on what they want. Mm. Um, and that's been really powerful, but really the tech is what powers it and what enables us to have that relationship. And what I'm passionate about, because it's the education piece for the yes. consumer and how we actually change the industry. So what's it like being a woman in tech? I mean, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, imagine. Give us some juicy nuggets, some stories. Tell oh, me. okay. I'll have to think of some juicy nuggets and stories. <laughs> I feel like this is, it feels like such a private channel um, because it's so um, interview based. So maybe yes. I'll get some juicy, juicy nuggets. Um <laughs> But I, it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm still like one of very few in yes. the space. Um, I know how that feels. <laughs> I, I know you know how that feels. Um, and obviously that presents its own challenges and yes. benefits as well to some extent, mainly just challenges. Um, and I mean, we've had, I've had far better funded tech bros copy us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they can't really copy your process or copy like your, your team's ingenuity. Yes. And that has been really our saving grace. I think part of 
I think this business really needed to be created by a female founder. Um, and I think beauty tech is actually behind because there are so few people in, so few women in tech. Unbelievable. Let us live your process. How do you innovate? What is your creative process? You mentioned earlier that you rely on your consumers, on the people who subscribe to your app to let you know what it is specifically that they're looking for. So when you have that data and that information, how do you use the tech to inform you about how you're going to innovate product? Yeah, so it's really multiple data sets from the technology, but I am such an old school kind of (laughs) Techie in the term in the term that I mean like talking to real people. Yes, interviews. I am a, a freak about it, basically. So the more user interviews someone can do, the better. Um, we used to. There's an app called Prototype on Paper. It's great. I think it's just POP. Yes, you can literally draw out whatever app you're thinking about making and then make it clickable. We wow. used to go into Target and I would, you know, kind of stalk people in the cosmetics <laughs> aisle being like, can you like test this out? Tell me what you think. Are you looking for an affordable alternative to, mm-hmm. and um, those kind of conversations are invaluable as you're building your product. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you're an old school techie in that one of the first things that you do is actually you look to the source and speak in real time with the source, with the person, as opposed to let me go Google that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's only so much you can get through uh, a data dashboard yeah. and Google, like it really comes from talking to your consumer, which I know you do a lot of every yes. single day. Yes, I do. I do. And, and yeah, and, and it's a very, it's a very special thing. It actually, it helps to enhance not only the relationship, but then you really get a feel for the person and what they're looking for. So I do think it's important. Kudos to you on that. Now let's generalize a bit and talk about the beauty industry. Um, how can the beauty industry do better for its consumers and the planet? Okay. So I think I'll start with the planet because this one is, it's really messy. Yeah. Um, we, when we started out to launching our skincare line, I mm-hmm. met with different um, experts in the space. And I also met with um, someone in waste management. Wow. Because it was so disheartening to realize that um, a lot of packaging companies, when they're selling you packaging, they'll say, oh yeah, it's recyclable. There's like 8,000 meanings to whether yeah. or not something's actually recyclable. And beauty is really, really far behind yeah. for a lot of different reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, what it made me realize is that reusing is um, really the best um, way to be better, the, the best way the consumer can be better for the planet. Um, so I don't know if you use, like, I use my little serum bottles as bud vases. Um, but I think that big beauty companies and small beauty companies can put pressure on packaging companies. Yes. To not just pay a lip service, but actually pressure them to create um, products that truly are recyclable. Excellent. Right now. Excellent. And how can beauty do better by its consumers? Yeah, I think that um, allowing the consumer to understand more about like how something's cruelty free. I mean, if you just thinking about the 
hundreds of brands that L'Oreal owns, mm. the consumer buying that brand doesn't know that that's owned by L'Oreal. Yeah. And I feel like that's something the consumer does actually care about. Yeah. So that would be one small way. Um, but I think there's a lot of educational components that, that could be added. I agree with you completely. If only each time a company sells a brand, if they only had a couple of pages dedicated to their process and the education uh, behind the brand and why those ingredients and how they actually make products, I think it would it would create not only a more savvy, uh, concerned consumer, I think it really would increase brand loyalty, in my opinion. I completely agree. I think it's interesting because a lot of after after these big acquisitions, you hear people say yeah. like, oh, that brand really went downhill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you kind of have to figure out like, mm, that is interesting. What's changing? And um, how does the consumer really understand those changes? Exactly. Now, how can the tech industry do better to support women? You have so many amazing questions. <laughs> Oh, good. I wanted to honor you with a great conversation. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure. So I think it starts with capital, right? Like tech yeah. female founders need to get great capital. Um, only 2% of venture capital goes to women. And um, I think that's really frustrating. But I also see the great lengths that um, female founders who have come before me have gone to to support other female founders with yes. capital, with advising, um, and that's materially changed the outcome of my business. So I have a couple of great advisor investors who have come before me who um, really have supported us along the way. And we have amazing male investors who are nice. also female advocates for female founders. And I, I really feel like we're very lucky in that regard. So they get it. You found some men who get it. We found some men who get it. And I am just thrilled because they also just have really supported us along our journey. Wonderful. Now, just tell me, how does the Brandify app work? Yes. So you log on and you can search for high-end products. So whatever you might be looking for and then read um, very in-depth reviews that users have submitted comparing two products. We, My team also adds an ingredient comparison and whether or not something's cruelty-free. That's really important to me um, and I know to many users. And so it's as simple as that. But what is exciting is yes. that we've launched community sections. Um, I can now follow you on the Brandify app and get Excellent. all your recommendations and it's been a really cool journey to see it evolve to be a community versus just an informational database. That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to check that out because, you know, on this Forever Fab podcast, I do a segment called 15 Minutes of Fab, and they're essentially product reviews. It would be very interesting to be able to translate the audio of those product reviews with my fab score. You know, you get zero to five onto the. That. Yeah, right? That's, we're going to have to talk, Ms. Pride. Perfect. <laughs> Dr. Shirley. <laughs> what three uh, characteristics would you say are important for an entrepreneur to embody at two different levels? The first level, the startup stage, and when they're more seasoned, if they change at all. What three characteristics at both stages? 
I think you should switch careers and become a venture capitalist. I love it. <laughs> These are really great questions. I'm right. working on it. I'm working on it. I okay, kind of yeah, need you the let capital me know. part. For, I got the yeah. venture part, but I need the capital part. <laughs> Same. Um, so, okay. So in the startup phase, you need to be so curious Ooh. because um, it's really about kind of what we were talking about earlier, interview interviewing users and understanding what the consumer wants and really figuring out the why. Yes. Um, so curiosity, you need to be resilient. Ooh, love that. Starting a business is a roller coaster and there are so many highs and so many lows. Yes. Um, and you just have to have your eye on the prize to be able to see past what m might happen in the next 30 minutes or yes. day. Um, so is that your number three vision? Ah, there you go. Perfect. Hey, yeah. Voila. You have to have a vision. You said it. I just translated. <laughs> and you have to care. That vision has to be related to a problem you really care about or else those roller coaster times will knock you off the path. Got um, it. That's really important. And those three traits as a seasoned business person, business owner. So I'm still getting there. So this is a good uh, moment of reflection good. for me. Um, I think, so one thing that I, I have a leadership coach, and I think that's really important in yeah. this transitional phase of business. And one thing I think about a lot is you have to be able to create boundaries because the boundaries really start, really allow you to be a CEO of a company that can scale. Yes. And that is very different than 12 months ago when you really have to have your hands in everything. So that involves delegating. Yeah. Which I'm sure we're all not that great at, but we yeah. can get better at. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and so I think that's a big one. Yes. Being like sticking to a strategic vision, because mm -hmm. I think as you grow, a lot of people come in and they see things differently. Um, and if you were to just change your business on the whim of every smart person that um, suggested you change your business on a whim, uh, you'd be in trouble. Um, and then I think, too, it's just like a really heavy focus. Or for me, I'm very metrics driven. Yes. Always having um, key performance indicators that you're playing yep. against is um, so being analytical would be the, the third. Got it. Those KPIs. Oh, yes. See, you really are. Like, are you a venture capitalist in disguise? <laughs> it's I've been told that I am, but I'm not quite sure I feel it yet. Okay. <laughs> now, which has been, speaking of scale, and you are a seasoned uh, businesswoman, and I know you're still on your journey, but it sounds as if you are well on your way and doing it well. Which has been, which would you say has been more successful for your brand um, in terms of scaling and growth or its evolution? Would you say social media or traditional PR? So we are just embarking on our traditional PR journey. So we're going to see how that goes. Social media has been a spaceship for us. It's wow. been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we grew. I started our Instagram account when I was in business school mm -hmm. on winter break. And we just hit over a quarter of a million followers. Oh, my gosh. 
I got to tell you, I still ju- I just don't know how it's done. I every I ask every entrepreneur, like, okay, what did you do? I, I'm just not sort of a social media person, and I know I'm not supposed to say that, right? Um, <laughs> but it's just like, okay, as long as I don't have to be in it, what else could I do? <laughs> I know, I know. That's the hard part. <laughs> like, <laughs> my poor team, they're like, so oh, my God, Dr. Shelley, really? <laughs> Um, That's good to know. Good to know. All right. You're on the social media spaceship plan. Okay. I have to get with the program. (laughs) It's been Instagram. The Instagram algorithm has been very kind to us. Good. I'm happy Um, to hear that. Thank you. What legacy would you like to create or leave, even though you're still creating one? I would love to really tackle the sustainability Mm. aspect of beauty. And I think just by creating transparency in the space we're starting to, but there's a lot more that we could do. Um, And really put real rules and metrics around what actually makes a brand sustainable versus not. Because I think what a lot of brands are saying is not necessarily always accurate. And part of that is just our like waste management system is too fragmented. So it's not necessarily the brand's fault or anything like that. Um, it's just a really difficult place to navigate. Yeah, it is. I'm so happy that you spoke, you uh, consulted with a waste management company that, that I think that's just brilliant. And it really does show your vision, how you are thinking about this legacy that you want to create and improving upon how we define sustainability. Like, what does that really mean? It's, it's just like saying natural or organic and, you know, what does, what what are the clean, you know, what does that really all mean? Now, um, what is speaking sort of about waste management, give me one beauty product that you absolutely cannot, cannot dispense with. You cannot live without it. You wouldn't even think about wasting it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is so tough for me because it can't be any of ours. (laughs) No, it could be anything actually. You can say it could be one of yours. It could be not one of yours. I, so let's see what. You just have to like super duper crazy love it. Okay. (laughs) Um, all right. Hmm. All right. So I do really love our daily triple serum. There you go. Okay. Um, I have so many, I mean, my countertop is, has so many products on it. Right. Um, I think my next video, maybe this is Instagram worthy, maybe in my climb to 100 followers, maybe, um, (laughs) maybe what I'm going to do is just interview people about their beauty cabinet, like show a picture and just be like, okay, what's up? Yes. Like what's the favorite? (laughs) Yeah. Um, the expensive product that I really do love and repurchase every winter is yes. the Paracone Hyaluronic Acid. Um, I see moisturizer. you. Yeah. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Yes. Very, very pricey. I can't but find you are worth alternative. It. Thank you. Yeah. HAs are kind of tough because it's an ingredient that's everywhere and yet it's not um, abundant you know, enough or effective enough. It's, you know, it's like number 13 of, you know, 15 products, that sort of stuff. HAs are tough. Yes. Um, Um, Our serum actually has five molecular weights of hyaluronic acid in it. There you go. Yeah. That's the answer. Yes. Different molecular weights. I like it. I might have to revisit that app. We are, yes, I'll I'll send you our our stuff. Thank you. I love it. I love it. it Give it a five. Uh, you know, zero to five rating. rating. <laughs> no bias, no bias at all. No. It's, it's already a five. I mean, we're talking. It's good. You're good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you have a wellness routine? And if so, what does it entail? 
Um, I do. And I actually want to just redefine the beauty industry name to be like wellness. Agreed. Can we just do that? Can we just I decide agree. right now? That's like like fundamental for me. It's just like stop calling it the separate thing. Beauty, yeah. skincare is self-care. Wellness is self-care. It, it's all about taking care of yourself. I think we've just decided <laughs> that we've we just are decided. renaming the industry. That's done. it. It's done. Um, so I do, I have a lot of little wellness routines that I like to sprinkle throughout my day. Yes. Um, three o'clock tea time. Yeah. Um, and I am also a big gardener. So wow. my morning coffee routine whilst looking at my plants, very important to me. Yes. Yes. That's my little wellness. Um, of course, before my multi-layer skincare <laughs> routine. Um, I actually do like during the summer, even when I'm going outside for three minutes, I will yeah. put on sunscreen. Oh, yes. In the morning before I've done my skincare routine, come back in and yes. start from scratch. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. What, the whole sunscreen thing, because I do total body sunscreen. It, it's a process. There's wow. first put, you know, first exfoliate, then moisturize, then sunscreen number one, then, you know, you know, mica based, you know, like yeah. woo, shimmery stuff. I, I just got to go out looking like Cleopatra. Like, I have to glow. <laughs> I have to glow. All, I have to glow all over. You are glowing. Um, so <laughs> So that's amazing. What sun? What's your favorite sunscreen right now? As Ooh. you're doing your all body. Ooh, I'll tell you afterwards because I have a few. Ooh, okay. I have a few, but unfortunately, this leads us to our last question, Meg. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank how you. did it, how did the time fly? The time just slipped through fing my fingers. Where did it's it go? Really we made some serious progress. We, we made serious progress. Venture capital and. <laughs> <laughs> We're renaming the beauty industry. Renaming the beauty. And you will be the queen of sustainable beauty. Absolutely. Perfect. So the last question is the Fab Five. What are your top five recommendations for living a beautiful and fabulous life? Top five. Oh, so fun. Okay. So um, uh, have slash hug your pets. Aww. Um, and I think, like, find moments in the day that you love, no matter what. So kind of what we were just talking about. Yes. Uh, find your advocates. So I feel like I've really found my ab advocates. I have an amazing um, network of mentors and advisors. Um, yes. And all right, so that's three. Yes. Be your own best advocate. Yes. Because I think that's something that, um, as women, we tend to struggle to do. Um, and I think learning that early is really important. And then for number one, um, be true to your authentic self. Like, life yes. is too short to do it any other way. No doubt. Well stated, well said, embodied, resonating, all of that, Ms. Meg Pride. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Forever Fab thanks you, loves you, wants you back, is going to be watching your progress, rooting for you, supporting for, for you, che cheering you on. So keep doing what you're doing. May your vision be stronger than ever, and may you reach the stratosphere. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Shirley. Likewise. You're, you're and, so uh, welcome. To keep in touch. Thank you so very much. We shall be in touch. You'll hear from me soon. Awesome. Bye. Okay. Bye. 
If you felt inspired by Meg's story, visit GetBrandify.com and download the app to shop products and learn more about your beauty. Also, visit on Instagram at Brandify. That's at B-R-A-N-D-E-F-Y. As always, if you love this episode of the Forever Fab podcast, please share it and subscribe to the feed. Listen to past episodes or check out who's coming up next on foreverfabpodcast.com. If you enjoy listening to the Forever Fab podcast and you want more, get more audio and visuals with a membership through Patreon. Choose the gold, platinum, or diamond tier for premium added content, special co-hosts, lifestyle videos, branded merchandise, and maybe even private access to my clubhouse by visiting patreon.com slash foreverfab. If you're a founder or you represent a beauty brand and you want to be featured on an episode of the Forever Fab podcast segment of 15 Minutes of Fab, send me some stuff. Visit foreverfabpodcast.com and fill out the contact form. For general holistic beauty tips or to set up an appointment with me to discuss your personalized options for leveling up your beauty, visit elementsandgraces.com and sign up for my newsletter or just give us a call. And for an online e-consultation on time, anytime, and on your time, visit clicklift.com for your wellness, plastic surgery, beauty, and wellness questions on the go. That's click, C-L-I-C-K-Lift.com. It's time for the elevated house call. Jet Set Beauty Rx offers beauty on-call services near your home or other domicile, delivering beauty in the privacy of a medically equipped mobile aesthetics unit. Reserve your appointment at JetSetBeautyRx.com. Thank you for listening to this week's Forever Fab podcast episode. Until next time, stay beautiful and fabulous inside and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place. Thank you.